God bless you. How many of you are glad you're living in the United States of America? Me too. I'm a diehard Steeler fan. But they disappointed me last week. Not so much so that they lost to the Bears, but that they stayed in the locker room instead of coming out to honor our flag. All except one, that is. And his jersey now is the number one selling jersey in the NFL. I'm going to give them another chance this weekend, see what they do. But if they don't come out there and honor our flag, I might stop watching the Steelers. <laughs> Just a little commercial. I, uh, I'm a lot less now than I was the last time I was here, 25 pounds less. <laughs> I don't know. I, I got on the scales, and you know how you do that uh, chart to see um, what your condition is compared to other people and what health conditions were. And when I got on the scales and then I looked on the Internet to see how I rated, it said that I was obese. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, just a little bit of, uh, I don't know, exercise. I played pickleball against these 75- and 80-year-olds, and they beat the tar out of me. I started riding the bike a little more, watching more of what my diet was. And then there was, not last but least, I graduated in 1967 from Elders Ridge High School. And this year was our 50th year anniversary, the high school reunion. And I thought... I want to look better than I look now. <laughs> so it's a very vain thing, I think. My, my son told me when I was doing this dieting and so on, and I told him about the reunion, he says people go there just to celebrate the fact that they're still alive. <laughs> and he's right. I got there, and everybody there was old. <laughs> In fact, what they gave us so that we would recognize each other is this little... That's me right there. I'll, I'll wear this around so you can see. If you can recognize me from this picture, oh, boy. That's the only way you knew people when you went there. You, you looked at, oh, yeah, that's you. <laughs> you remember them when they were in high school, but you certainly don't remember what they look like now. And I, um, I've got to tell you I'm thankful that so many of the, I guess more than any other group, at Elders Ridge, 1967 graduating class, there were only 78 of us. Five of them are ministers today. Elders Ridge was founded by elders of a church group. And they wanted that school to be a, a school where people could go there and learn about God. It developed into a, a great ministry and later became a high school. And I think that um, sometimes we don't realize the seeds that we plant when we desire to do good. They can come back and flow into generations into the future. 
And God blessed our class. And those five ministers were there that day. And it was good to see them and know how God was blessing their ministry and how they desired to serve the Lord. Well, there's one more downside I would like to say that when you're losing weight, you usually have to do a wardrobe change. But I've lost weight and gained it back so many times, I just decided I'm going to keep my old wardrobe. What I did was tighten my belt a little bit. You put more holes in it. And then when you're wearing your pants, you can tighten that belt up and it just kind of all shrinks together. And uh, you wear an untucked shirt. And people don't see it then. <laughs> and it works just fine until you get to the airport. <laughs> when you get to the airport, <clears throat> they have you unload all your cell phones and things like that, change in your pocket, car keys and all that. And then I went through the thing that they had, and a little beeper went off. And the guy said, did you put your belt on the conveyor back there? I said, no, I got it on. And he said, well, you're going to have to take it off. You're going to have to come through this again. I took it off, and then I knew that I was in trouble. I'm holding my pants up like this, you know, and going in through there. And he says, well, you've got to put your hands up here. And when I did that, my pants dropped clear down to my ankles. Nothing but my tidy whiteies <laughs> were showing. <laughs> I said to the guy, does this happen often? And he says, no, not with people your age. He says, it's the young people that come in here. Their pants are already halfway down anyway. They have trouble, but you're one of the first. Well, God is good, and he has ways of making you humble. Let me tell you. We're going to look at angels today. I'm so glad that we have this subject. Pastor asked me to speak on this. I was delighted to do the study and, and work on this, um, uh, this whole topic uh, in the Bible that's mentioned more than 300 times. You can take a Strong's Concordance and you can look up the word angel or angels and see all through the Bible they're mentioned, 34 books of the Bible uh, all through the Scriptures, Old Testament and New. They're all over the place. You can take a look on the, um, uh, the Bible and see how this works. And it's an amazing thing when you look and you see how angels are involved in our, in our world, in heaven, in heaven and on earth. And so uh, we're going to take a look at this this morning and try to understand it better. Angels past, present, and future. I already said this, the Bible has, uh, speaks of angels more than 300 times, 34 books of the Bible. There are angels, archangels, cherubim, seraphim, living creatures, seven spirits before the throne of God. Well, I'm not sure you would classify all these as angels. They're supernatural beings that God created before he created the earth. We're going to meet them. We're going to see them. Some people have seen them today. Others are looking forward to that. 
There are so many angels, the Bible says we have no way of numbering them. They're everywhere in the universe. They're without number. The Bible says, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast of the elder, the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, thousands of thousands. It's a Hebraic expression that means you can't tell how many there are. It's an innumerable host. Hebrews uh, tells us the very same thing, that it's an innumerable number of angels. And so um, I can think of pretty big numbers, but no number we can think of may do justice to how many God has created and how they are involved in the earth in which we live. There are reasons why people are nervous about angels. Usually it has to do with an, a misunderstanding or no understanding of what the Bible says about angels. There's, um, like I say, myriads of times that they're mentioned. If you just take your Bible and start to look through, you'll get a lot of information God gives us on the angels of heaven. So we want, don't want to be ignorant about them. We want to understand what the Scriptures are saying I love the fact that this ministry focuses on loving God and loving people. But we really need to add to that loving the angels of heaven because they do have a ministry to bless us. And someday you're going to meet the angel that was so involved with you in your life on earth. There's unbelief in the supernatural. You see, if you believe in the supernatural, certainly you have to start thinking about God. And who God is, and if God created angels and, and they're supernatural beings, then, then, then He created us. And if He created us, then we're accountable to God. We're part of His creation. And so automatically, when you focus on the supernatural, you start to have to focus on yourself and who you are, and God created you, and someday you'll stand before Him. The Sadducees didn't believe that there was any resurrection or any angels or spirits. The Pharisees confessed both. So there was a big debate even in Jesus' day whether angels existed or not. But the Bible says they do. And that should end the debate in our mind. So another reason why people are nervous about angels. It's going to come up any second here. <laughs> Fear of superstition concerning the unseen. I had this fellow that I uh, worked with almost on a daily basis, and he would tell me, you know, there's no such thing as angels. They're aliens, aliens from another planet. He said when Elijah was taken up in a fiery chariot, that was really a spaceship that came down and caught Elijah up and took him. Who knows where? They probably were investigating him as a human being. Who knows? And he went on and on about this, and I'd say, you know, you really are fouled up. You really are messed up. There are angels and supernatural beings and aliens and all that. I don't know anything about those because the Bible doesn't talk about them. So there's fear of ghosts and supernatural beings, and all this enters into the fear, especially this time of year, people start to have. And we want to understand the Scriptures so that we're not thinking about those kind of things concerning Scriptures. 
fear of the supernatural concerning the unseen realm of super uh, spirit beings, adoration and prayer or worship of angels. I, I need to tell you this. I think if you ever saw an angel, you'd probably think that it was God. They're that much above us. Their faces would shine with the radiance of the Lord if you saw them in their spirit being. You'd probably start to bow down and say, Lord. But no angel will accept your worship. In the Bible, any time that an angel is suspected to be a god, the angel says, well, don't bow down to me. Worship God and worship God alone. We don't pray to angels. We pray to someone much higher than the angels, our Heavenly Father. We pray in the name of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe the Holy Spirit takes our prayers right into the throne room of God. We go higher than the angels when we pray. So you ought to know we don't pray to saints either. Because they're even lower than the angels. Saints are just saved sinners. So right away we get an idea of how we should handle that kind of thing. The only infallible revelation we can depend on when it comes to angels is the Word of God. And that's where we have to look. That's what we want to understand about angels in the Scripture. Jesus spoke of angels and was also ministered by them. In the Bible, uh, Jesus was on the cross and he was clear that he could have called 12 legions of angels. Well, a legion means 6,000. If God could have called 12,000 legions, that's 72,000 angels. 12 legions times 6, 72,000. In the Bible, Hezekiah was surrounded by the Assyrians, and God said, you're not even going to have to fight this battle. Hezekiah was humbled, all of Israel, Jerusalem was humbled before God. They prayed and they asked the Lord for his mercy. The prophet Isaiah came and said, you're not going to have to fight this battle. I'm going to fight it for you. One angel in one night killed 185,000 Assyrians. Now just think, if one angel did that and there's 72,000 Jesus could have called, that would have wiped out over and again all the population in the world. Jesus could have wiped out everyone through the angelic realm. That's how powerful an angel is. And so we want to realize that and understand that they have great power, they have great ability, and they do the will of God. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray even to my Father, and he shall presently send twelve legions of angels. We've already talked about this, 72,000 angels coming along. In Hezekiah's day, one angel killed 85,000. And so, we're very pleased that God is at work. We want to look at angels a little more closely now and see how they were involved in, in uh, the past and how they're involved then in our present day, and how they will be involved in the future. 
Angels can deliver God's people. An angel ministered to Hagar. You remember the story. Abraham and Sarah couldn't have a child. And finally, after years of waiting, they thought they would help God out. And Sarah says to Abraham, go and take my handmaiden, Hagar, and you can have a child with her. Let me tell you something, men. If your wife ever says to you, go and get another woman, don't you listen. Abraham would have been a lot wiser not to do this. We're going to wait upon the Lord, he should have said. But Ishmael was born, and, and so they thought they'd done God a favor. He's going to be the blessed one. But then God says, no, Sarah, you're going to have the child. And the child Isaac is born, and it seems like there was some frustration there, some uh, trouble between uh, Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac. And suddenly Sarah says, you know, you're going to have to leave. Get this woman out of the camp and take her son, let her take her son with her. Well, Abraham talked to God about it, and God said, you better listen to her. And so he sent Hagar and Ishmael away out into the desert. He gave them a wine skin of water, a little bit of food, which was gone in no time. And there in the desert, Hagar set the sun away so she couldn't see him die and went a far off distance from him about an arrow shot that says, and she began to sob. And an angel from heaven cries down to Hagar and says, I'm going to make a great nation out of Ishmael. Now get up and go get him. And go, and then her eyes were open, and she saw a well of water where she could be refreshed. And the rest of it is Ishmael growing up and becoming a nation. But an angel of the Lord intervened so that that could happen. That was in Genesis 21. You can check it out yourself. Two angels rescued Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah before its, before its destruction. It's the way I was praying. You know, this whole situation started when the Lord visited Abraham with two angels. And um, the Lord says, should we hide this thing from Abraham that we're going to do? And Abraham says, no, don't hide it. Tell me what you're going to do. Well, they're going to go down into Sodom and Gomorrah and look and see if there are any righteous people down there where Abraham knew Lot was there. There has to be at least one, his wife too, his children. And if they've married uh, their husbands and if they've had children, Lord, would you spare the city if there are a hundred righteous? He says, yeah. Well, what if there are 80 righteous? Well, well, yes. Finally, Abraham gets God down. What if there are just 10 righteous? Will you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? The Lord says, for ten righteous people, I will spare the cities. Well, that's, that's what I was praying back home when I knew the storms were going to come on this side of, Ohio, this side of uh, uh, Florida. I thought it was going to go up through Miami, and most everybody else did too. They had it all planned out. But then suddenly it starts creeping closer and closer. comes up through the keys. They start saying a a wave of water could hit this area 20 feet high. Do you know what that would have done to Englewood if there were a 20-foot high surge? People would have been on their rooftops. I'm praying back in Pennsylvania 
for you guys saying this to the Lord. Aren't there good people in Englewood? Aren't there people that love the Lord Jesus Christ? Isn't that church down there that you enabled to exist, Lord? Didn't they build a debt-free structure counting on you, Lord, for the funds to do that? Isn't, isn't it wonderful, Lord, that there's a testimony that goes out in that country of how wonderful the Lord is and how His provision is great? Aren't there more than ten righteous there, Lord? And of course there were. <laughs> Thank Jesus. Hundreds of righteous, thousands perhaps, and he spares southwest Florida from a catastrophe that could have occurred. We've got to praise him for that. And I know you have. Well, they went down to Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was there. He met him at the gate. Of course, you know what happened. They, if he hadn't got those angels into the house where he lived, there would have been something terrible happened right there in the square because those angels were perceiving what men wanted to do. Long story short, the angels take Lot, his wife, and his two daughters and escort them out of the city. And they're spared from the disaster that would have occurred had they stayed there, except for Lot's wife. Remember, she turned back and looked. There's a place there in Israel you can go, they claim, is the statue of his wife, Lot's wife, looking back upon Sodom and Gomorrah, a pillar of salt. Well, at any rate, angels saved the day. And so the angel of the Lord stopped Abraham as he was about to sacrifice his son. You remember that? Three days' journey into the wilderness, and there he is at Mount Moriah. He looks up there and says, that's where we're going, son. And he packs up what he needs, tells the two servants that are with him, we'll be back. I'd say that's an element of faith right there. We'll be back. The son and I will return. And yet he was told by God to sacrifice his son. I think Abraham believed that he had to sacrifice his son Isaac. God would have raised him from the dead right there. So his faith was strong and he went to do exactly what the Lord told him to do. When the angel of the Lord steps in and says, don't harm the boy. Of course, there's a ram in a thicket nearby that they're to use for the sacrifice. He told his son the Lord would provide the sacrifice, and he did. Incidentally, when you look into Hebrew history and the legends of time, the ram's horn that was caught in the thicket is said to be the horn that became the shofar, a means of worshiping God with a trumpet in the Old Testament. God is good, and God takes care of his own. The angel of the Lord wrestled with Jacob. His name has changed to Israel. Jacob realized he was in big trouble because he had so undermined his brother, Esau, that he thought for sure when the Lord told him to come back, he would, Esau would kill him, just like he wanted to do before he left. That's why he left. That's why his mother said, go, go to Laban. Go, go there. If you don't go, you're going to die. So on his way back, he's wrestling with this whole idea of what's going to happen. He sends his wife and his kids across the, across the Japheth River there, and, and he, uh, he stays alone 
there praying and seeking the Lord of what he should do. Now, in the Bible, sometimes the angel of the Lord is the Lord. It's called a theophany. Whenever God comes down in such a way as to reveal himself, he never comes in all of his glory because we couldn't stand it. But he'll come sometimes just as an angel. It could be Jacob was wrestling with God. And at the end of that time, he somehow got this angel in a trap and he can't get away. He says to Jacob, I've got to leave. It's almost daylight. Jacob says, I'm not going to let you leave until you bless me. And the blessing was that his name was changed to Israel. That's where we get the name today, Israel. So the Lord is good. An angel delivered Daniel when he was in the lion's den. Remember what Daniel was doing? He was praying and seeking God and doing everything right. He was honored above all the rest of the people who were in power that day. The king recognized him as being the finest man that he knew and would have put him in charge of everything except all the other people with him got jealous. And they tried to trap Daniel in his religion by getting the king to create an order that for, for 30 days only the king could be honored and worshipped as God. Well, you know what Daniel did? He went home, threw open the windows of his house, turned towards Jerusalem three times a day, and prayed to the Lord. You know, sometimes when we're praying to the Lord and we're in public, we like to say it much more quietly because somebody might hear us and think we're fanatics. I love it when someone gets up and prays in the restaurant over the food of all those who are at his table and then puts his hands forth and says, and Lord, bless all the rest of them too. That's what Daniel was doing, praying the blessing of God. Well, all those jealous, jealous leaders decided that, well, it's, we're going to get Daniel. They saw him doing this and told the king, and the king had to obey his own rule. They threw Daniel into the lion's den. The king so loved Daniel that night he couldn't sleep, he didn't eat. First daylight he goes back to that place where the lions were and yells down, Daniel, did the Lord spare you? O king, live forever. God sent his angel and shut the mouths of those lions. Something you'd be glad to hear. You know, I often told people back home that if someone came in through the doors with machine guns and says, you either forsake the Lord's name right now or leave or die. Leave forsaking the Lord, you can leave, but if you stay, you're going to die. I wouldn't want to be in the aisleway. You might get trampled. But think about that. Think about being loyal enough to the Lord that if it cost you your own life, you would give it. That's what Daniel was doing. And we can thank the Lord for his desire to serve God. Angels are immortal. That means that those angels who were doing the business of the Lord in the Old Testament, are still alive today. Every one of them. Angels in the past, in the present, and in the future, 
they're still alive and well. They, they don't die. That's why they don't need to reproduce. That's why there's neither male nor female among angels. They, they don't have a gender, even though they're represented quite often in, in the Bible as being male. Angels in the present. We're going to take a quick look here. We're going to move more rapidly. Angels today are ministering to God's people. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them that shall be heirs of salvation? Now, let me ask you right now, are you an heir of salvation? Have you given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you believed on Him for salvation? Have you confessed your sins and said, I'm a child of God. I'm going to live forever with the King of kings and Lord of lords. If you can say that, you've got a ministering spirit on you. Someone close by who's watching things. Who keeps you safe. Who won't let anything happen to you out of the Father's perfect will. Guardian angels are sent to project, protect Jesus so that He could accomplish His Father's will. You remember that in the Scripture? For He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Jesus had nothing to fear because the angels were protecting Him. Many of you can probably recall times where the Lord, somehow an angel, something happened and spared your life. Anybody out there had an experience like that? You know God intervened. Many of you have experienced that. I was just a little kid. Ah, I don't know, I couldn't swim. But I had one of these floaty things that went around your waist, so I thought I could jump in the pool. No one was around. When I jumped in the pool, I thought I'd die. That's the way cool people do it. And when I dove down, the floaty thing went down to my feet. And here I was, my feet up here and my head down here underwater. No one else was around. I ran out of all the strength that I had trying to keep my head above water. The floaty one. I was right there gasping for air. When someone heard that I splashed in, came over to take a look. I was in a remote area. This, this, I was mowing the grass for a person that lived uh, a secluded area. Somehow this man came and saw what happened to me and set me aright and said, are you okay? And I said, I am now. And I believe God sent his angel. God spared my life. We were traveling down the road. My dad was driving the car. and This guy was speeding around us, and dad slowed down because there was a car coming the other way. If he hadn't slowed down, he smashed right into him. The guy went around real fast and got to the other side, and God, God just um, intervened, and we didn't get in any accident. And My dad said, that guy's, that guy's crazy. If he doesn't stop what he's doing... Down the road, just a mile or two, he must have done the same thing and hit head on into another car. The car went down over the hill. The guys are laying down there dying. We got there on the scene. There's a baby laying on the highway. There's another woman. She was, she was unconscious, if not dead. Dad ran down over the hill. And as best he could, he tried to minister to this guy that was dying. Talk to him about the Lord. And how he could be saved. Came back and.
told me and my mom and sister in the car what had happened. And he said, God spared us from being in that accident. Those kind of things are the intervention. Sometime in the future, you'll be able to see your life and how God was intervening and how God was taking care of you and how the angels of heaven were involved in those things. We've all done stupid stuff. We've rushed in where angels fear to tread. And yet God has protected us. His holy angels have watched over us. The Bible says we're sealed until the day of our redemption. Part of that sealing of God is the protection He puts over us. Nothing can happen to us until our ministry on earth is done. And then God will take us home. We can be assured of that because angels watch over us. They're in our past, in our present, and they certainly will be in our future. Angels will be greatly involved in the future. If you look in the Scripture, 74 times angels are mentioned in the book of Revelation. Everything from sharing the good things of God, good things of heaven, to worshiping God with us. Angels have a vast amount of knowledge, and they love to share that. I beheld and heard the voice of many angels in Revelation 5, 11 through 13, round about the throne, the beast and the elders, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, thousands of thousands of angels worshiping the Lord, and we are there worshiping God with them, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which was in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, such as are in the sea, and are in them, heard I saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power, be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. We're going to worship God with the angels in the future. They'll teach us how to do that better, and we'll learn together how much God deserves that worship. We will worship with angels, but we will, get this, never become angels. You should have known that. <laughs> We're not going to be angels. We're saved people. We, we have a distinct difference in them. We're created a little lower than the angel, and besides that, I don't want to be an angel I want to look like and be like Jesus Christ. He's glorified. You're going to have a body like His. You're going to look like you did whenever you were a teenager. In the prime of your life. All the blemishes, all the flaws. Take those glasses and throw them away. You're never going to need them in heaven. All the other things that we have, I take stuff that keeps my blood pressure down. I take stuff that keeps me from uh, this blood clot I have in my leg from coming up and getting in my lungs. Blood thinner. I hate it because if you're a blood thinner, anytime you bump your hand, you know what happens? You got this bruise mark. It looks like you've been in a fist fight with someone. I take that stuff. I take all kinds of stuff every day just to keep me alive. I can't wait till I get to heaven. I can throw all that stuff away. I'm never going to need it again. 
neither will you. God is so good. We're going to look like Jesus. We're going to be like Jesus. And that's much better than being an angel. He died, resurrected in three days, received the glorified body. We're going to die. We're going to resurrect. We're going to meet him in the air. We're going to have a glorified body sometime in the process before we get up there. God's going to glorify us and we're going to be with him forever. The Bible says we shall be like the Lord. And we can trust that God will do all that and more. Now in Revelation, angels are used for judgment too. And they carry out the judgment of God in many aspects. They also gather together. All the saints make us able to be together with God. They have a wonderful ministry. You're going to love the angels. If you know now, you will. So let's thank the God of heaven this morning for revealing to us what angels are like and how they'll be part of our future. Can we give Him a praise this morning? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. There's one more thing about angels that I want to say before we close the service this morning, and that is that angels will look to us in matters of salvation. You see, they never were saved by grace. They never knew the tragedy of sin. That is, the good angels. We'll be able to tell them things about what God has done for us, and they will be all ears. God has saved us, glorified us. We look like Jesus. And they will marvel at what the Lord has done. So will we. Let's, uh, let's just uh, close with a word of prayer this morning. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 12, it says that the angels rejoice when one sinner on earth is saved. Can you imagine that? A party in heaven when a sinner comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to give you opportunity to cause heaven to rejoice this morning. If you haven't given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to get a chance to do that right now. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, you're so good to us. You deliver us so many times. We, we will be amazed at how you watched over us when you reveal all of this in the future and how the angels of heaven, how they rejoiced when we gave our hearts to Jesus Christ the Lord. If they get excited, Lord, about someone being saved, how much more is heaven excited when we continue to serve the Lord and grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when we become more and more like Jesus because we love Him and we love His people. 
morning, Lord, I'm praying for that person who may not know you as Lord and Savior. Praying that they will pray a prayer and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. A prayer they can pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, forgive my sins. I believe in your Son. I believe he died and resurrected. I put my faith in him for salvation this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. I believe it. I proclaim it. You are my God, and now I am your child. If you prayed that prayer this morning without anyone looking, just between you and me, would you raise your hand and let me see that this morning? You've given your heart to Jesus. I see those hands. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for salvation. Let the angels of heaven rejoice as your word says they do. And we give you praise for your goodness and your love and ask your blessing this day and every day in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. God bless you.